Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 29th of March 2013. Newcomers, I always suggest you make good use of the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com. You'll see a bunch of other sites listed there. They're all mine. These are the only official ones I have. And they all carry transcripts in English for print-up of lots of talks I've given, and they all carry uh, audios, too, for download. And I go through this system, the big system you're born into, uh, the way it's run, constructed, and so on, and to show you that you're living through a big business plan run by very wealthy people who've been around for an awful long time, and they formed clubs a long time ago, an awful long time ago, in fact, and they've run the world for a long time. And they're simply updating the system to suit themselves and their future. Not your future, but their future. And they use every trick in the book, of course. They own the media. Uh, they have big foundations. They own all the NGOs across the world that you hear about. So they're always pushing for law changes and so on. Exactly what the foundations want and what the politicians who are put in there by the foundations want as well. And you'll find that society doesn't simply evolve by itself. Everything is, is engineered from the top down, not from the bottom up, but the top down. Everything, all culture, everything across the world. And it's an old project to say. Now remember too that you are the audience that bring me to you. You can help me keep going by getting the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And I go through some of the chronology, the techniques that are used in the books of how the world's been run for an awful long time. It's simple chronology. It's a form of control. It's a control of the mind. Uh, you simply have to give the reality, the authorized reality to the public, and they seldom question it. Uh, once they grow up, it's, it's indoctrinated into them, and they never figure this, their way out of the box. So, as I say, you can help buy the books and discs and so on, or donate. And from the U.S. to Canada, remember, you can still use personal checks or international postal money orders. Or you can send cash or use PayPal. And across the world, you've got Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal once again. And straight donations, as I say, are awfully, awfully welcome as we go into forced austerity, planned long before uh, the crash of 2008, the planned crash. That helps it get going, you see. The bankers lost nothing. In fact, they, they got away with an awful lot. Plus, they got all the bailouts given to them by you. And also gives them more power over countries because now they totally dominate countries for generations to come who'll have to pay off all of that debt. That's how it works. It's very, very simple. Remember, if you're in debt, you're a slave. And the boys who run the banking system really believe that. It's a very old religion. You'll find it even in the Old Testament, in fact, with slavery. It's, it was okay there in the Old Testament, and it's never really changed. So if you're in debt and your government puts you down as guarantors to pay off loans and debts and so on, then you are the slave. It's very, very, very simple. And to see, most folk never figure the way out of the box because your parents didn't know it. Most of your parents didn't know what was going on in their lifetime, or your grandparents even, because generations, as I say, have grown up through this indoctrinated process, scientific indoctrination, they call it, actually. And big players who helped create the system and worked uh, their whole lives, very long lives generally, these guys lived for an awful long time, like Lord Bertrand Russell, wrote lots of books on it, 
and the system to come. Because every change from the, uh, the cultural revolutions of the 60s, sexual revolutions and all the rest of it, right to the present time, were all promoted and written out back then. Uh, with a timetable of implementation, including the changes that are happening today, by the way. It's literally a long-term business plan. And it's pretty well on cue as to where they wanted it all to go. And most folk never really think about it. You're, you're bombarded with the data of today's news, and you never think that today's news simply is part of the construct of control, because it is. It doesn't give you any history of the whys. never does. Because... The Royal Institute of International Affairs, CFR, owns all the media across the planet and the top reporters on television and in newsprint too. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix talking about the big system and that's all there is really to talk about because that's all there really, really is about anything at all. In the system, as I say, they control the culture, they upgrade the culture, they alter it, they can reverse it, in fact, they can do anything they want to do and they do it very, very well. But it's not surprising since they own the media and they own the culture industry and that's what they call it in Hollywood themselves, the culture industry. So we're, we're, we're always being shown how to behave, what to, what's politically correct, what's the thing to be against or for uh, by the culture industry. We're taught how to behave and uh, what morals to throw away. Here's the new morality, etc., etc. And it works awfully well. And we've seen that since the revolutions from the 60s onwards. And these were really planned and well-financed revolutions. People thought they were doing it all themselves, especially the teenagers of that particular era, but they weren't being guided by much, much more intelligent people with lots of sciences behind them who've known this system for a long, long time because they've done it before in different ways too. But again too, uh, they had to get in this new authoritarian society. Now the authoritarian society was put out by uh, the Club of Rome back in the 70s, 1970s. And the Club of Rome, again, is one of those big foundations and think tanks. And their job was to find ways of bringing in a world government and, um, and to bolster the United Nations. And they are the one main uh, think tanks for the United Nations, in fact. And they were given the task to find a way to unify the planet. It had to be a threat, uh, an external threat, they thought. And um, they took an old idea that was put out a long, long time ago uh, by John Dewey. In fact, he was the first guy to talk about if there was an alien threat or a threat from outer space, we'd all come together to fight it, etc. Ronald Reagan and many others, in fact, one of the prime ministers of Canada long before that, said the same thing. We could, we could do aliens and so on, and outer invasions from outer space would pull us all together to fight them, and we'd go under a unified government in the process. Very, very similar to the war on terror, because the war on terror has done the same job, really. And just like aliens, it's very amorphous. It's, uh, it's, uh, it can be anything at all. Terrorism can be defined as anything at all whatsoever. In fact, they have been defining more and more uh, legitimate crimes, basically, as terrorist as, uh, events and rather than just crimes. But uh, again, too, some people saw this coming. And as I say, back in the 90s, uh, Bill Clinton tried to get an anti-terrorism act put through. The U.S. It didn't work. In that very weekend, boom! Up went the the Mura building, and um, 
and that started at Oklahoma City, and that started off the. They actually passed a law for the, the terrorism bill uh, that weekend, the following weekend, in fact. So if they can't get what they want to cause the events, it's very simple. Uh, it's not new in, 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 that, in today. It's been it's been done for over many many centuries, even thousands of years ago. This kind of event to get things under terrorism. The Romans often did it too to their own people. So. We're living through systems that have always worked, and Plato said it too, that if you, that everything is a formula. Everything to do with behaviorism is a formula. And whatever the public have done in the past, anything at all has been done in any culture in the past, if you understand the sequence of how it was initiated, uh, then you can put it back into to force today or any time at all, and in the same sequence and the same result will happen. If you want people to, to, to sacrifice their children, they'll do it, because you know the formulas to make it all happen. Things like that. So uh, we're, we're run by old, old sciences that are kept in archives. And these archives do exist, by the way. The real histories and so on do exist. And different professors have said to me uh, that they, they knew of them, and a couple of them had actually been in, into archives. And they themselves think that maybe one in 80-odd professors in any particular field is allowed into these particular archives where they understand these systems, you see. Knowledge is never lost, especially knowledge that gives you power. Never lost. They don't burn down libraries and just walk away, unless they've got copies elsewhere. So that's how things really work down through, through, through the years. And again, Machiavelli and the Prince and so on, it's a, good, it's a good starting point for those who want to understand how people have managed, even from the Middle Ages onwards, uh, using these techniques on how to manage the public. And Francis Bacon is another one too. Because these characters used to write kind of uh, almost resumes for kings and queens to, to get jobs as advisors. And every king and queen wanted advisors because these advisors, just like today, are more important in the front than the king himself, in a sense, because they know all the tricks and dodges and the psychologies of the masses. And the mass mind, believe, believe you me, is well understood long before Bernays came along, long, long before Bernays came along, they had to, to manipulate masses. And it works awfully well. Now, fear is a great thing. Fear is a terrific thing to manipulate the masses. And... Um, I can remember even a few years ago when the member of the Green Party in, in Britain uh, said that they, they would like to use something like the Blitz in London, World War II, where under a wartime scenario, everybody did with less. They were on rations. They accepted it. Because you become collective as a society. You pull together. It's a tribal instinct in a sense. And you you will put up with more misery and so on, and even starvation if need be, to try and get to survive through it or let others survive so you can win. And by using those tactics, the, the, the terrorism is, is, a, is a th- something that really that, that take over from that too. It brings in the same scenario. And I can remember before 9-11 happened, Bill Cooper came out in fact, and he talked about Bin Laden in June of 2001 before it happened. Because at that time, the press had come out and said that a, a team of uh, journalists had gone over to Afghanistan and found Bin Laden, who was going to be the next terrorist leader, they said. Uh, and uh, supposedly the, the CIA were all over the, the world scouring for this guy and they couldn't find him, supposedly. It's all nonsense. I was getting the idea into the public mind that something big was going to happen, you see. And Bill Cooper actually talked about it and he put a video up, or actually it was, I think it was more of a, an audio, his audio show, 
but I'll put up a link to links for those who want to hear him talking about this, because he, he goes through it on June the 28th, it was 2001, and talks about bin Laden and how they were going to use bin Laden for some terrorism act in the U.S. long before it happened, and it would be followed immediately by martial law and a socialist world order. That was the point of it all. Now, if you look, look at in all these different treaties that have been signed too, I've been reading them off this last week or more, about the Trans-Pacific Partnerships and the, and the, the Trans-European Partnerships and all these different trade agreements. These are all part of the socialist world order. Don't think socialists are not multi-billionaires at the top. They are, just like the communists were too, by the way. The top guys were loaded, loaded. And they like socialism because it's big government. And big government keeps all of you in check. And all the cash that they want to, to, to skim off of you uh, that goes better under socialism, you see, with all the government agencies under taxes, fines and fees and all the rest of it. So that's where we're all going, of course. And so I'll put this up tonight too. Bill Cooper predicts 9-11 and more on June the 28th for those who want to, to listen to it. But he was he knew what he was talking about. He had a big following. And the reason he was killed is because he had a big following, because he knew, and when I heard him on, on, the, the, on September the 11th talking, and he knew that was going to be the, either the, the, the breaking point of the U.S. and the world too, uh, or else people would have to stand up and stop it, nip it in the bud before it got started. Because once they introduce all this stuff, it becomes normal. And you adapt to the changes and the ID checks and all the rest of it, no privacy, and then it's normal. Then it's too late, folks. It's just too late. So I'll put that up tonight and you can have a good listen. Now, getting back to the 60s and so on and the free love aspects, people don't realize that, as I say, the culture is always manipulated from the top down. Plato again said it, that all cultural changes had to be authorized by the elite, the dominant minority. And any grassroots uh, change in culture, we'd have to get nipped in the bud because it wasn't authorized and it would interfere with the plans of the elite and their cultural changes and domination. So they always nipped it in the bud. So, you know, the Greeks too, they had different uh, sexual things going on there too and different uh, strange little old religions and things. Uh, some of it was uh, an outlet for the public too, uh, and especially in times of hardship or war, they'd give them these, these, uh, these things to get the, let the steam off, you might say, a safety valve and so on. But also too, they knew that if it went too far, they would lose control of the public. And they would eventually, and in fact, they did eventually, they went down the hill, the men started to mate with men and nothing, there was no offspring at all, of course, and women with women. And the same thing happened at Rome at the end, too. In fact, Rome tried to uh, pass laws to make the noble classes and the ruling classes breed deaf children, actually real children and offspring, because women were aborting their children, too. So, as I say, when you see these things happening, it's the end of a system, as you know it. It doesn't mean the end of humanity. But I was looking at an article here, it's more like a handout or an ad for, for, for dating clubs, but it's for people with sexually transmitted diseases. And um, they don't like the, and interestingly too, they don't call them sexually transmitted diseases now. You look for the slight changes in things that you're used to. Uh, they call them STIs, like infections. It sounds better than disease, doesn't it? So you understand, it's all, it's all how to make things sound better. And it says, this article says, uh, dating can be a nightmare for many, so dating websites for people with sexually transmitted infections can save embarrassment and rejection and so on. So there's people with herpes and HIV and different things and, 
and uh, genital warts and all these kind of things. Uh, it's just astonishing that they're pushing this out there. But again, this was this is an outcome from the promiscuity that was promoted mainly from the 60s. It's actually, they tried it before in the Roaring Twenties when they made the booze cans awfully popular and sexy, and they churned out all the gangster movies too, to, to, to again make it very sexy to go to these nightclubs and so on. They brought out a miniskirt in, in, in the Roaring Twenties, and the Charleston dance and all that, but they couldn't handle the side effects, which was, of course, um, illegitimate offspring. They didn't have free abortions back then, and so lots of orphans were created. And there was so much, there was no penicillin either, so STDs, sexual transmitted diseases, just skyrocketed. So they put it on the back burner, went back and worked on and created the pill, then brought it back for the 60s. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back, cunning through the matrix, talking about the big system and the cultural changes which are managed by very powerful forces that run the world. Money runs the world, so those with the biggest, biggest amounts of money can, can create massive think tanks that work on every aspect of society and culture, and they can simply uh, draft up their pages that they put right into newspapers, in fact, without any changes whatsoever. The newspapers grab these things because it saves them writing anything up themselves, and they do this all the time. You'll find lots of stuff daily in all the major media. So culture is managed. And getting back to, to the Roaring Twenties, then back to the 60s when they, they created the, the pill, of course, and that penicillin by then, and then they brought it back again uh, with the hippie generations and the, and the pop music, they called it at that time. They went into rock music, uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. So that was the whole thing, sex, drugs, rock and roll. And it's, it was to bring down and, and separate uh, a new generation from the old generation, which they said, like H.G. Wells said it, and Huxley said it, and so did um, so did uh, Bertrand Russell. They said because of the, the old culture was contaminated, meaning that old-fashioned values. Now these old-fashioned values kept people collectively pretty pretty strong against all all outside influences that tried to destroy them, and so the outside influences had to destroy them in order to take over. And they did an awfully good job of it. Worked out perfectly. And as I say, it wasn't a new thing because H.G. Wells tried this too in the late 1800s. Some of his first books that he came out with were to do with free love. They called it back then, free love. And remember, he was picked up and trained by Darwin's best pal that took over the whole idea of eugenics, etc., and promoted mo- and, and added to it. And, and that was Huxley, Thomas Huxley, Sir Thomas Huxley. So, you, you find that um, everything is managed from the top down. And then, of course, uh, you find H.G. Wells also uh, was, was a, a founding member of the Fabian Society, which was a, a, a pretended to be left-wing. In fact, at one time, they, they, they corresponded directly with uh, the Kremlin. And, uh, and papers went back and forth all the time for many, many years. And... Um, the idea was to get the working people on board for these big cultural changes, which the bankers wanted. The bankers funded communism, remember. There's, there's lots of data that's all been disclosed, even from the old Soviet Union now, on the funding of the Western bankers, especially in America and London, uh, and that uh, funded communism into existence. In fact, the West kept communism afloat because they could even feed themselves for their whole entire existence. 
Canada and the U.S. used to compete every year for the, the big contract of grain to the U.S., if, from the U.S. or Canada or to the Soviet Union, right until the, the Berlin Wall fell in, uh, down, and afterwards too. So anyway, it's hard for folk to get their heads around that, that the communists actually uh, were, were funded by the top capitalists. The top capitalists. And as I say, they wanted a socialist system because there's less freedom under a socialist system and you expand government until you have so many bureaucracies and agencies that the public are stifled and, and, and smothered, basically. And then you can bring them up under the proper eugenic fashion where they're taught uh, what to believe uh, by order of law and uh, any other opinion. And they take them up to this new, this new science, this bogus science called psychiatry where they drug you. That's all happening today. All planned, written about over a hundred years ago. But as I say, H.E. Wells pushed it. As I say, the Rolling Twenties pushed it, the free love idea. And then in came the Sixties when they really did it. Because as I say, they had to separate one generation that they claimed would be different from the old generation. And out came the slogans from the communist sides saying, don't trust anybody over 30. And then even reduced that age limit too. And it worked awfully, awfully well. Massive propaganda, massive funding. It didn't come by itself. And here you have it today. You have the socialist system in place, which is far more totalitarian than the old system ever was. And it's going to get a lot more so. Where they can now teach us all getting told to help diagnose children that they claim have got disabilities in class and they get them on drugs very, very quickly. That way, too, any person, any young child, especially young guys who've got any leadership qualities are grabbed right away and they're uh, drugs. And, and believe me, that once they're on these different drugs, their brain literally shrinks. They know that, too. It's in all the data of these particular drugs. Their brain shrinks. And they're never the same uh, after that at all. So, as I say, I'll put this, this link up tonight to show you the fallout, as I say, with all the STDs, which they call STIs here. And to show that it's normal. So having everyone having these diseases is normal. It's normalized, you see. And remember, too, I've read articles on the air where Julian Huxley, who was the head at, uh, I think it was UNESCO, uh, the United Nations, the first head, also head of Planned Parenthood at one time, too. He, um, along with Bill Gates' dad, uh, he also said that uh, they would bring in a promiscuous society, but they didn't want children from this promiscuous society. And uh, that's happened. Everything they've talked about years and years ago has all happened, and we're going through the changes. And they've actually told us where it's all supposed to go. Read the rest of it. They tell you with the next hundred years. So this article is quite good in, in one respect. It gives you some of the statistics of many are getting the diseases and so on. And it says the rise in the dating sites coincides with increasing rates of STIs. In the UK, there was a 2% rise in new cases from 2010 to 11, according to the Health Protection Agency's latest statistics. Now, how can you have a health protection agency when they're promoting this stuff? It says more than 100,000 people in the UK are diagnosed with genital herpes or HPV every year. That's new people, 100,000 new ones every year. That's the ones that are diagnosed. That's the ones that go for, what is this? Lots, lots, don't bother. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, talking about the STDs, it's uh, skyrocketing of course, and I've known this for years, this is part of the, the consequences, cause and effect, isn't it? But as I say, many, many more, more, more folk are getting STDs every year, it's just skyrocketing, in every country, in the western countries and so on. And it says, meanwhile, there are about 20 million new STI cases each year in the U.S. 20 million. That's notice the ones who go for checkups and so on that find it. And that's, that's probably the same amount of, that don't go for checkups. This is about 110 million in total, says the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. I like the name of that, disease control, you know, the, you know. And they do the control diseases as much as they want. And it says here, too, that some people get it from partners they've been with for a long time. And, and who've been sleeping around, and then they find out they catch it too, so, uh, it's quite amazing. So I'll put this article up tonight to show you the, the consequences too. And it says more than 15,000 under 16 year olds were diagnosed with diseases including gonorrhea, chlamydia, and genital herpes in the last three years. That's in Britain, I guess. Number of children aged under 16 with STDs nearly doubled in the last 10 years, and there are fears the situation could be worse because many boys don't get tested. And of course, they're promoting sex like crazy right now, too, just like you wouldn't believe, because that's part of the agenda. The more partners they have, the less likely they are to bond for life, and then they, because they want to destroy what's left of any family at all. That was the whole point of it. <laughs> And the Health Protection Agency figures obtained by the Mirror under the Freedom of Mission Act revealed that 13 children under 16 are diagnosed with STIs every single day in Britain. The number of children under 16 with STDs spiraled by 93% from 2004-2003 to 4,777-2011. in Infections contracted included the chlamydia, gonorrhea, general herpes, general warts, uh, cancroid, and lymphogranuloma venereum, as called. And there's a lot of non-specific urethritis and all the rest of it, too, that's generally taken, and, and so on, as, as another thing. So there's lots of diseases there. By the way, there's over th- well over 30 uh, um, genital warts you can get. And, of course, the, the vaccinations are given the children now say they may stop three of them. May. It doesn't say they will. And you'll find out, I'm sure, once I've done enough testing, that those children will grow up and still get it regardless. So I'll put this article up tonight for those who give a hoot, you know. But not that you can do much about it, because this, this is the new normal. This, this is all here. It's all through society. This isn't the first generation that's been doing this either. So it's, it's well on its way to permanency. And again, too, the socialist system thrives on this because they have more and more departments of government agencies taking care of it all, etc., etc. Now, we know, too, that um, when you make corporations uh, or corporations make themselves and eliminate all competition, which they all do, that's the whole point of the big corporations, you, you find out that they, they get massive shareholders and big, lots and more shareholders, and then they have to generate more income for the shareholders and so on, so that their, their fees go up and up, or whatever they're selling goes up and up in price all the time. And now Amazon's doing it. It's anger as Amazon introduces a punishing fee hikes for the third-party traders who generate millions for the online giant. And it says small traders who sell their products through Amazon are facing potentially crippling fees set to be imposed by the internet giant. And it says traders selling items like electronic accessories, automotive parts, tires through the website will see fees soar, rising as high as 15% in some cases. And the sellers who use the world's biggest online retail to reach customers and collectively generate huge amounts of business for Amazon have reacted with dismay to the increase. Well, there's nothing you can do about it. It's a monopoly. 
unless someone starts an alternative competitive one up, who will end up the same way eventually anyway. That's what happens, isn't it? But I'll put this up tonight because I know that the, the, the new laws in the U.S. with internet trading are going to hurt millions of people. And they know this too. Because any economy at all they're trying to shut down. Any small economies, small businesses have to be shut down. I can remember Thatcher back in the 80s said that eventually there'd be no small businesses at all. That the way of the future would be international corporations only. And they make sure of that because they give you so many tax things to fill in half your day and a small business is filling in forms for government. It's all deliberate. They're not stupid. They know what they're doing. Also tonight, Sue, from theexaminer.com, I'll put up an article by Terry M. Heslow, retired army officer with nearly 30 years of service under his belt, as well as combat experience in Vietnam and Afghanistan, issued a dire warning to all Americans. And the whole thing is, he's saying he wants to know uh, and get you know and get all the data on it. Why the DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, are they actually preparing to declare a war inside the U.S. with all the the 3,000 new armored vehicles have ordered and 1.6 billion rounds of ammunition to 2 million built uh, 2 million rounds now I think it is the latest things, and all the new weapons and so on. Uh, it, it says who do they intend to kill? He says he says well it's you and me, and he says um. Anyone uh, they think is standing in their way to impose their new Marxist government, uh, and it's true enough, you're under a Marxist system now, whether you know it or not. It doesn't matter what they call themselves, you, you have to go by the MOs of what they use to decide, decide what they actually are, and it's a form of Marxism, but that's what the capitalists at the top want. Because as I say, the new system, the new world order is an elite, and I've said it for many, many years since I came on radio, the elite at the top are all fascists, technically, uh, but they've got in between them and the people a massive bureaucracy, many layers of government managing the public from birth to death. And that's the communist type of style. So that's why it works that way. They work together. So I'll put this art, the whole article up tonight and you can see what he's talking about it too and see the, what, uh, the, all the rest of the stuff about it. Now, Yes, he had touched on the fact that uh, so much happens. We understand we're at the bottom level of reality. Uh, that's why the news is all standardized through Reuters. So that all media talks about the same thing. This is, this is the stuff that's actually literally authorized for us to get. But um, for years, they can, keep, they can con you and laugh at you and, and, make, and mock folk who are saying what they think things are, are, are happening and so on. But a few years ago, we've had starlings fall out the sky and so on. Yesterday, I put up a whole bunch of links to do with the, the Food and Drug Administration and Agricultural Department in the U.S. killing off millions of birds every year by law. Because the big corporations and corporate farms now, Monsanto's boys and all these guys, are complaining their seed is getting stolen by birds. So they're killing them all off. And even up here in Canada, I've noticed over the years the massive decline of birds. You can walk through the forest. I did last year. I walked through, kept walking through the forest and you wouldn't hear a single bird chirping away. It was that bad. And then you find out, my God, they've been killing them from their own websites. They tell you this. This article here I mentioned yesterday too. It says, um, when the sky rains starlings, it says that the incidents that seem to have become rites of winter throughout the northeast, rural residents living within a couple of miles of large dairy farms recently subjected an odd evening frightening sight, starlings literally falling out of the sky and dying before them. When the carnage concluded, homeowners found dozens of birds dead in their lawns, and the columnists picked up the story 
and, and an even uh, ten dozen from his were picked up. At first blush, some might think that a deadly contagious illness overtook the avian community. Others might believe it's another sign from an angry god that followed once in a lifetime's blizzards in the northeast or a meteor exploding over Russia, but their deaths were caused by none of the above. Said the birds expired due to an application of a chemical agent known as starlicide. The compound is protected by Purina. No, they might make the dog food and cat food. Purina dog food. That's what actually makes this stuff, the starlicide, the poison. And it says here, uh, and it's the most effective tool. Maybe the only effective tool in controlling this most enormous of birds. Upon consuming feed tainted with starlicide, starlings slowly expire over a 24 to 36 hour period as their organs congest. And remember they've been falling out the sky and the governments are shaking their, oh, it's just strange, we don't know anything about it. This is unsettling as a sight of hundreds of dying and dead birds may be to the average person. It's a welcome sight to the farmers, the aviators and nature lovers, it says. And it says they're all affected by this invasive species brought to the shores in the 1890s when fans of William Shakespeare made the ill-advised decision to release every bird mentioned in his plays to the Americas, the very same reason we were inundated with English and house sparrows. The starlings multiplied and took over the skies, being just as much at home in the big city as the Ireland farm country. It's estimated there are over 200 million of them in the U.S. Now, the thing is, too, the articles, as I say, from the, the U.S. Ministry of Agriculture, uh, also admit that this killing off all the other birds as well, and all the songbirds. Now, they're using this stuff in Britain too. And there's still articles coming out even today uh, that, oh, they're all confused about why. The government is confused why there's so many birds just dying off. It must be man-made problems taking over their habitats. So we get blamed for what the government agencies do. They're killing them off themselves and blaming us. Very simple. Very, very simple. I mean, the starlicide doesn't say, oh, starlings only please eat here. No, they all go and do it. Crows a lot. And that's what they're doing. They're killing them off. I'm going to put this link up tonight, too. Now, there's also another... <laughs> you can't keep up with the laws today. I mean, the whole idea with the Internet was always going to be free speech and all that. And everybody could get their say and so on. And, and we've been watching them again since 9-11, roping them all in law by law until you can only see what's politically correct. And, and there's, there's threats coming out all over from different governments about, about different topics and so on. So anyway, Computer Fraud and Abuse Act 2013 is already in effect, but they want to expand the powers of it. So there's a new CFAA draft aims to expand and not reform the worst law in technology. The act was passed initially in 1984 to combat the cracking of huge computer systems owned by financial institutions and the government. See, every law they bring out has one thing to get it through, so you all yawn and go back to sleep. But its real intention is to start expanding once it's in. Nearly 30 years and seven amendments later, the law is regarded by many lawyers and academics as overly expansive and sweeping as it lets governments incarcerate any Internet user they want, according to former federal prosecutor Oren Kerr. According to the new CFAA draft, Internet activist Aaron Swartz could have spent up to 18 instead of 20 years in prison for hacking and distributing JSTOR documents from MIT. And it says the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act is the most outrageous criminal law you've ever heard of. Tim Wu, a Columbia law professor and pioneer of network neutrality, wrote the New Yorker. It bans unauthorized access of computers, but no one really knows what those words mean. You understand how vague everything can be? That's why they want things vague. They can then get you if they want you. 
Despite the enormous reach of the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act as it currently stands, it was the same law used by prosecutors to torment the late internet activist Aaron Schwartz prior to his suicide on January 11th. The House Judiciary Committee has actually proposed a number of expansions to the law in a new draft with which Tech Dirt says will be rushed to Congress during its Cyber Week in the middle of April. And it says you can read the proposed Computer Fraud and Abuse Act draft in its entirety, and I'll put the link up tonight for that one too at cuttingtrudematics.com. It says, amongst many additions, the new SCFFA draft expands the number of ways a person could be prosecuted by punishing anyone who conspires to commit violations like those that are already completed, or those who have already completed the offence. So you conspire with them, or you heard about it, or you may have knowledge of it, you're also involved. Also adds that computer crimes as a form of racketeering activity allow the Department of Justice to hit computer criminals with further charges in court. And if you're found guilty, the new CFAA endorses more severe punishments for any offenders by raising the maximum sentences available for certain violations. And it goes into uh, different examples, too, of how they've used it already. Even lying about your age, by the way, on, on a computer, uh, if they get their way, will be a, 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 a illegal. Any, any organization or even app that asks you your age, the one, the one your exact age, you can't lie anymore and say, well, I'm, I'm Santa Claus, you know, and I'm about 5,000 years old. It won't do. So they really want to go, it's all about IDing everybody, basically, and tracking everybody. That's part of it, as you would say. And again, and making sure that you don't try anything else. This is why they put the articles out, to terrify you, just to let you know. Again, too, we've all seen, people won't remember it probably, but some, but we've seen all the, the articles to do with the farm raids in the U.S. to do with unpasteurized milk. I mean, it's just disgusting. Because if you did get unpasteurized milk and uh, from good farms, and remember, people have been drinking milk for thousands of years, and you need that stuff. You need the vitamin D in it uh, for good bones and so on. And Britain, right up into the 1970s, uh, you you got milk at school mandatorily, uh, school every day, because so many of the children in Great Britain, you know, Great Britain that owned the world. Well, most of the folk had rickets. The common working folk, because they couldn't afford decent food and so on. Great Britain for the minority. But anyway, uh, that's coming back, by the way, in Britain too. They can't because of the, the rubbishy milk there that kills off everything in it with pasteurisation, including the protein. Everything gets killed off in it. But that's part of the agenda: make you weak and sick. And weak and sick folk can't rebel, you know. Of course, governments have always known that. Ask Malthus. So anyway, they put a tough code through for unpasteurized milk. And they only brought the, the unpasteurized stuff back uh, not so long ago. Uh, and, and even the queen drinks it, of course, but she'll drink it regardless because she's got her own uh, tenant farmers all over the country that supply her. But it says the new guidance includes a detailed hazard analysis critical control point. Oh, they love these names, don't they? Uh, covering animal health, milking storage, separation and blending, filling and microbiological testing. Said the code had been drawn up with dairy farmers and technical experts, but denied it represented a softening of attitude towards raw milk. But the thing is, too, it was one of the big companies, one of the biggest lobbying bodies, Dairy UK it's called, they wanted to to be put through because they wanted to get off any, any competition at all. This is what it's all about. It's eliminating competition. 
by keeping me all safe. You hear the same thing in Canada and the States too, with the big boys. Everything's going to the big boys. All small guys that get wiped out. That's beekeepers and everything. Same thing. Happens with them too. Everything is to go monopoly, you see. That's what it's all about. So forget all their health concerns. We're here to help you as to shut you down. <laughs> oh, dear. Now, also, to all the fallouts, again, to getting back to the sexual problems with the sexual so-called revolution. And that's what it's called, sexual revolution. It was a revolution from the top down, promoted through BBC and so on. And it says, two senior Doctor Who staff in the Doctor Who series used their jobs to sexually exploit young male fans of BBC show in the nine, through the 1980s. And I'll put this up again tonight, too, to show you that um, it's just all pervasive for what the BBC was up to. But then again, these are the guys, again, who promote the culture, the changes in culture, that is. So why you'd expect to have the biggest pervs in the top, wouldn't you? Of course you would. They were raping folk and everything. Mind you, too, uh, if you watch all the, the, the trash they put out there as you go down the tubes in culture, through all their dramas and all this kind of stuff, these, these dreary, dreary dramas they put on there, uh, you'll, you'll end up being just as sick as they are. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and we'll go to Leif in California if he's still there. You there, Leif? Hi. Yes. Hi there. Hello. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yep, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I, I wanted to say something, you know, I listen to a, an awful lot of Alex Jones during the week and I hear him talking about, you know, false flag terror attacks, warning us about that sort of thing. I just, I don't think they're going to do it because I think they've already got us in the Matrix, you know, and mm-hmm. everybody's on drugs, everybody's afraid, everybody's watching the news, watching movies, yeah. and I just don't think that we're going to see another 9-11 or anything like that. Well, I don't think, that they, if they if think at the top they need another one to get some other part through, they'll do it. But the way things are going, as you say, people are, see, people are adapting all the time to all the new normals. Uh, they started off with the, the airports and the checkouts and the x-rays and so on and, and accepted all of that without a problem. And then you got it on the streets with the TSA as well, they accept that. Uh, and so the people are being trained and trained into the new system. They've had years of training now. Most have accepted it and really they don't need anything else. But um, the, the big boys take no chances, I must admit. They do take no chances because they have... When they plan big changes, which they have, you have to go into massive austerity in the U.S., remember, massive austerity. And well, just yeah, to, and then know. I used a litmus test recently. I asked the people I know, have they heard about Google Glass? I'm sure yep. you've heard of that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just exactly what they show in Star Trek with the Borg, and mm-hmm. I don't hit them too heavily with it, but I kind of talk to them a little bit about it gently to see if they realize where that's going, and most people I know who in 1984 would be, you know, maybe party members, not inner party members, of course, mm-hmm. they're all for it. I think it's yeah. great. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, the whole, the whole point too is technology is good, technology is good, technology is good. That's been the mantra for years. And the public don't stop and ask, uh, what else can this technology do? What else can it be used for? Can it be used against the people? They never question that. And of course, every expose from all the science magazines is a rah-rah thing, a cheerleader thing for any new thing that comes down the pike. But it's, it's, again, it's all to dumb down the people. They are dumbed down already. We know that. Uh, their food is awful. They don't know it themselves. Uh, they're getting sprayed from the skies. That's affecting them too. The IQ is plummeting. Even the UN said that the IQ is dropping about three points every five, six years. So that doesn't happen by itself. So now you have a, a public that are dumbed down. Uh, they can be malnourished, even if they're obese, by the way, because the, the food doesn't contain all the nutrients it's supposed to. That's all by design as well. They know it's at the top. Well, that's true. You know, for most of my adult life, I've been stuck at a certain weight, 150 pounds, and I couldn't gain any weight. And then last year, I became a vegan and eating just raw food. And now, after quite a bit of detox, I've actually gained 15 pounds, and I'm, I look a lot healthier. But that's because yes. I'm eating oh, yeah. all organic food, you know? That's right. I mean, there's in Britain, that they've just announced there that a lot of the, the stuff in Chinese restaurants and Indian restaurants is... It's probably dog and cat food. I mean, they don't know they've been eating that for years, but um, uh, and the horse meat's being put into. So there's so much soya, they call it meat, and they stick it in there too as filler. But the thing is, the public have adapted and adapted to it. And it's the sauces, as you know, that are addictive to them as well, so they go back to the fast food all the time. But as far as um, needing another big event, I don't think so, unless they plan to bring on the crash to, to, to get through the austerity measures much, much faster. And they're taking no chances. They might have to do something to really kick it off. But right now, the public, they're going along with it all. The dollar's been devaluated for years. It's still going down with purchasing power. And uh, they, don't, they don't really need to, to, to really push it very hard at the moment, that's for sure. Yeah. But thanks for calling. From Hamish Masyar from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your God's go with you.